Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Egberto Will is your host. Thank you so kind for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Hello, Bruce Pollard says it's hump day already. I know it's going really quick. Bridge MCP is in the house. She says, hi, all. How you doing, Bridge MCP? Melanie Keelan, second time I'm seeing you for the day. She is in the house from Barcelona, Spain, as well as E2247. Hello, relatives. He says, Eric Hayes is as well in the house. How you doing, Eric? As well as AVQ, the one and only Michael Rudnan. Let's go ahead and get started real quickly. ABC News from Michael Rudnan. ABC News, Trump indicted. Who are the co-conspirators based on information in the indictment and publicly available information? Five of the conspirators have been identified by ABC News to likely be the following individuals. Number one, Rudy Giuliani. Number two, Johnny Smith. Number three, Sidney Powell. Number four, Jeffrey Clark. Number five, Kenneth Cheesebro, number six, unknown. Newsweek says, co-conspirator six has been proven more difficult to identify, and some social media users speculate that it could be Jeannie Thomas, a conservative activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Associate Justice uh, Clarence Thomas. Despite speculation surrounding Thomas, it is not possible to know with any certainty who co-conspirator number six is. That would be a blast. What? What? I'm saying that would be crazy. Bridge MCP says, I said more on the fifth myth because it is spoken about more here. House hearing used misinformation to continue pushing anti-trans agenda. The hearing uh, relied on misrepresenting studies and many blatantly false claims by representatives. January 29, 2023. You will have to read to see why. Myth number one, the Swedish study. And 19 times suicide rates. Myth number two, allowing trans youth to get gender-affirming care is like allowing them to eat too much ice cream. Myth number three, Washington state will take away kids and trans uh, and trans them. Uh, myth number four, being trans is socially contagious. Myth number five, trans kids are put on fast track to surgery. Republicans have been known to claim that little kids are undergoing gender reassignment surgery in hearings. However, this myth is far from reality. Gender reassignment surgery, typically referred to as bottom surgery, is a procedure primarily performed on adults with only exceedingly rare exceptions involving minors. Numerous studies and organizations have confirmed that gender reassignment surgery is not happening among transgender youth. Top surgery refers to the group of surgeries that transgender people, both binary and non-binary, use to reshape their chest. This is in contrast to bottom surgery, which is used to reshape the genitalia. You know what is so funny? The people that you see objecting to these kinds of things and, and being anti-trans and all of that are generally evangelicals, religious folks, etc. Well, there's a study done, and I put this out on uh, uh, that uh, it's being run right now. That shows most of our sex offenders, the people that you must take care with, uh, with, with your kids, the ones who harm kids, are generally in the religious realm. So here these religious people are trying to take the rights away from people having trans, uh, trans uh, whatever trans uh, care they need, but at the same, and claiming that somehow this has to do with protecting the kids. Yet when we look on a per capita basis, Pastors and religious workers are the ones that harm the kids, not by a little, but by a bunch. It is amazing, the hypocrisy. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, question, why would DOJ stop at 40 indictments? I'm sure they can make up five more for a tactical, a total of 45, 44, 45th. That way, orange boogeyman can gloat. I know they'll just do what they have to do, sir. Lee Grant is in the house. Welcome, Lee Grant. E2247 says, 
Protection of civilians and mitigation of civilian harm are both a moral necessity and a strategic imperative that in liberal democracies rest on peace transfer, etc. All right, let me go ahead and play the first video. The first video has to do with, uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, for those who haven't seen what he's done, let's go ahead and play that right now, and then we'll take it on the other side. Well, it has happened. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, the criminal in chief, has finally been indicted for attempting to overthrow the United States of America. Check this out. Good evening. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots and they are the very best of us. They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it. They put their lives in the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Since the attack on our capital, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment, and our investigation of other individuals continues. In this case, my office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court and judged by a jury of citizens. In the meantime, I must emphasize that the indictment is only an allegation and that the defendant must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. I would like to thank the members of the Federal Bureau of Investigation who are working on this investigation with my office, as well as the many career prosecutors and law enforcement agents from around the country who have worked on previous January 6th investigations. These women and men are public servants of the very highest order, and it is a privilege to work alongside them. Thank you. Now let's make sure justice is done and put this guy where he belongs. In jail for this particular crime, but I tell you, he should have been in jail long time ago for the litany of crimes that he has committed throughout his lifetime. And you know, Eric, for all that you're saying, doesn't it really bother you what Donald Trump did? Does it not bother you that this guy tried to overthrow the government? Does it not bother you that this guy's caused the telling people to come to Washington? It's going to be a blast. Doesn't it bother you that five police officers uh, indirectly and directly got killed uh, with this insurrection? Does it not bother you 
that this guy actually couldn't accept that he lost when over 60 judges for every I, for every time they attempted to say there was there, there was uh, somehow voter fraud, etc. It was voted down again by judges appointed by Trump, by judges appointed by Bush, by judges appointed by everybody pointed out this guy was lying. Does it not bother you? And, you know, I, I, I speak to some of that. In the uh, in the speech that I gave at the UU Church, that I think uh, I'm I'm going to play in a minute. But my question again is, how can it not bother you? How can you be so into uh, this guy's immorality, this guy's dishonesty, this guy's corruption, and you not say anything about it? I mean, doesn't that tell you something about who? You, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. Anyhow, let let's let me continue before I get too excited by those people who allow Donald Trump to really destroy our nation. Michael Rodney says, every case, Banana Republic would be if we let politics dictate or delay avoiding prosecution for major crimes. If Trump manages to delay his prosecution until after the election to where conservatives are not told the truth about the Trump and his cons- conspirators have done, and Trump somehow wins the election despite this popularity say, uh, falling below critical levels before Trump started rallying against overturning the 2020 election, our nation would become the very banana republic you're decrying, as Trump would pardon himself and cause a constitutional crisis. If by some insanity Trump's re-election happens, it would be the last time our votes would be counted. I tell you what, we would be, we would continue to be the laughing stock that he has, that he has the possibility of even winning. Is a, uh, makes us a laughing stock throughout the country. It is simply, simply astounding. Uh, Bridge MCP says people need to pay attention, especially Republicans, not MAGA. Don't think they can read. Uh, MAGA is problematic. I will continue to try to engage them. I will continue to try to engage them. But it's sad that they have left many a times uh, their thinking, their critical thinking uh, to God knows what, right? Eric says, Egberto Clinton and Abrams were against elections too. It doesn't matter. Did they ever contest an election? Did Gore, even though Gore beat Bush in order to save the country, what did Gore do again? Politics is dictating now and you might just be giving him more power. No, it's not. We're not giving him more power. You are. If more people like you, uh, if more people were like you, uh, I tell you what would happen. Uh, uh, if if people like you were to contest Trump, you're, the people that, that follow you would probably start to change because, it, well, anyway, let, let's go ahead and give. Uh, this weekend, I gave a speech at the Universal Unit, Unitary Universalist Church on civility. Uh, and uh, I, good afternoon, Shiva Las Vegas. And what I want to do is I want to play that for you and you guys. Um, uh, tell me what you think about it. Some of the things you guys have already heard, some of it you might not have heard, but it was uh, an invitation that I got to speak there, and uh, I, I really enjoyed every minute or not. Uh, but before I go, uh, Eric says, Egberto, I could care less if he wins or not, but the current situation is bad too. Punto finale. Uh, please try to spell punto final correctly. It is punto, P U N T O, final is F I N A L. Michael uh, um, Run says Eric Hayes never sees seen this poll, huh? Most people around the world were laughing at us with while Bush and Trump were in office, but respect 
recovered when Obama and Biden were in office, one off for the screen. And you know what? Because I actually want to see that myself. So I am going to copy that link and get that link on the screen because I think the, the bad thing about it is uh, Republicans like to live in their own lies too often. And uh, I, I like when when we go ahead and pull it up. OK, you can you can see that on the screen right now. And what you're seeing on the screen is uh, Western European confidence in U.S. president surges as Biden enters office. And you can see the same thing that had occurred under Obama as well. You take a look at under Obama, you take a look at under uh, under Biden, you take a look at under Bush, you take a look at under Trump. These are not uh, up for debate. This is something that we've known for a long time. Republican politicians, the ones that we've recently elected, they left a whole lot to be desired. Thank you for that graph. It's uh, well worth the look. Um, Senor Rudman, thank you for that graph. I think it's Rudman who gave us the graph. but anyhow, what we're going to go do now is we're going to go to the speech that I gave. Uh, Lee Grant says, whatever crimes Trump committed, the political aspect is inescapable. This is third world stuff. Yes, it sure is. What he does is third world stuff. Egberto Breach has another one for, okay, let me see what Breach has out there. Uh, let me go ahead and put that one on the screen because if Breach says, let's go do it, I say, let's go do it. So I copy the link and put it in there for Breach. And here we go. Uh, and I'll put it there. All right. Let me go ahead and put that link on the screen that Breach has. And this has to do with transgender youth. Trump faces several. Oh, no. Trump several lawsuits in the run up to the 2024 election. And remember what Trump said. He said that Hillary Clinton should not be uh, even running for president because with all the with all the indictments that are likely to come, she couldn't serve well. Maybe he should take his own advice and drop out of the uh, race, right? But I doubt that he will. We know that he won't. So let's go ahead and move on. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for that, Bridge MCP. We are going to go ahead and go with the speech that I gave at the U Church now, and then we'll come back and continue the conversation. Thank you, man. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? First of all, I want to thank Harold for giving me this great invitation. And as I look around the room, I see a whole lot of people that I know. Thank you guys for uh, for being here. Um, anyhow, a little bit about myself. First of all, I'm originally from Central America, Panama. You know that little peninsula. That yeah, all the way in Central America. And uh, when I grew up. Uh, one of the big things about the United States is that all of us, one of our dreams were was to come to the United States, and you know we just kind of loved it. It was one of the dreams that we many people had. Uh, not everybody could get here. A lot of folks got here. Now, I remember my grandfather, he was, I think it was on a merchant ship or something, how he got to New York. And he would come back to Panama and visit. And I remember um, one time I picked up his shoes, right? And I said, imagine this stuff walked in New York. That's the kind of reverence that people used to have for the United States all over all over the world. And to, to some extent, people still have the idea of what the United States is supposed to be. It never was 
but it's the idea of what it was supposed to be. Now, I moved over here. I got a degree in, in mechanical engineering, but I can tell you one thing. I was always an activist. From back in school and high school, always a rebel rouser, came over here, did the same thing at the, at the University of Texas. I was out there with the Green Beret on and, and marching for uh, take the University of Texas to get out of South Africa because South Africa was an apartheid country, etc. Those were my what I call the very radical, the radical days, the radical times. But as I grew older, uh, I figured out that if we did things the same way that we always did, we didn't get the results. After all, look at America today. How much different is it than it is than it was uh, many years back? So I took a different tactic. I remember, uh, first of all, as I said, I'm, I'm an engineer. As such, what I believe in are simply numbers, numbers and formulas. Everything should follow a number, everything should follow a formula. You do that, and everything works out fine. Today I got an example that that doesn't matter even as I came to the church and had some nice discussions with people, friendly discussions, and one realizes that it's not good enough to be right. It's not good enough to know what you think you know. It's only good enough if you can have somebody trust you, and after they trust you, start listening to you. In other words, you can't, it doesn't matter how right you are. If you doubt it, visit MAGA. MAGA today believes what they believe, irrespective of whatever is out there. So one of the things that I, um, I like to follow as I grew older was this theory of civility. And civility doesn't mean giving up your own morals. Civility doesn't mean giving up the, the, the things that you truly believe in. But civility also means communicating. So back, I don't know if you remember, in the 2008 period, uh, when Obama got elected and he attempted to get the Affordable Care Act passed, Obamacare, uh, the violence that occurred in the country, mental violence, physical violence, and all that sort of thing that occurred in the country. And um, I remember thinking, and, uh, thinking in those times, wow, this this country is going to explode. Things are going really bad, etc., etc., etc. And as a person who really stays on the internet 24/7, seeing this little young lady come on and she wanted to form something called the Coffee Party USA. It wasn't really in response to the Tea Party, but it was the Coffee Party USA. The idea to bring civility into our communication. Have have a cup of coffee with somebody. If you have a cup of coffee with somebody. If you're talking to somebody, you can't be doing what? You can't be fighting them. If you like somebody, uh, if you even if you disagree with them, you disagree with your wife, you disagree with your sister, your brother, and everybody else, but you know what? You still love them. You still have conversations with them. So I said, you know, that sort of appealed to me then. You know, one of the things that we, we, we know about about the way our minds work is it's not necessarily always rational. Many times the way our minds work is our own belief systems. In the discussion that I had in that little room back there, I watched four different belief systems at once working, working against what some would believe are factual basis of information, etc. And that's just how the world works. 
you may believe something, but it doesn't. It's not necessarily right. But until you have trust in that which tells you otherwise, that will never change. I mean, that is the reason why, if, if you look at our current politics with a Donald Trump, who is a bona fide someone who knows very little, he still garners the attention of many others, engineers, lawyers, doctors follow this guy. They all, deep inside, they, they know better, but they follow him. So when I joined the coffee party uh, and, and, and became a, a board member of the coffee party, the idea was how do we form narratives? Or how do we get people to coalesce around something that that have that would allow us to communicate? And that is what we started out building uh, during the ten-year span that we that we ex well we still exist but not not as we did before the ten-year span. And one of the things that we we started to speak about was first of all be the media, be the media, uh, be that. Be that objective group that isn't paid for. By the way, as a, as a member, as a host of a radio show at Coffee Par at, at a KPFT. By the way, uh, every morning, six in the mornings, you can uh, tune into KPFT and listen to the program Politics and Right, which is the one that I host. Um, one of the things that 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 we came about there is, if you are the media, if you are the person given information, if you can get folks to have faith in you, or not necessarily have faith in a religious form, but you can earn their respect, you can actually start to fake change. And that is the sort of stuff that we did at the Coffee Party USA. That is the sort of stuff that I'm trying to do at in, on Politics Done Right at KPFT. One of the things that I realize most of all is we don't think in numbers and formulas the way I think of as an engineer. If I want to be able to communicate with others, what, who has to change? Me, right? If I want to communicate with any one of you, what do I have to do? If I don't find that method of communicating, I got to change. I got to figure out what is, how can I get you to have trust in me to start listening to what I have to say compared to what your beliefs are. And that is what's the most difficult thing for any human being to do. Because again, we always think we're right. We always that we always think we always want to be comfortable we always want to we don't we don't necessarily want to critic to think critically if it's going to affect our the beliefs that we have the things that we were taught after all we are the best country after all we are the good ones after all we wouldn't do bad things well I tell you something Humility is very important, right? Um, once to be able to talk to folks, in my humble opinion, you first have to be able to talk to yourself, look at yourself, and tell yourself, I got to change. I've got to be able to listen. I've got to be able to do. And, and, and personally, that is what I did. Uh, let, let me see. I want to make sure that I... What time did I start? I want to make sure that my timing is good. 20 minutes. Okay, good. 
one has one one has to change. Now, when I came to the United States, I'm like I said, I'm from a, a Latin American country, and. Um, I always say that I, I suffered from these three strikes, right? Uh, in, in, in this country, sexism is bad. Homophobia is bad. All those, all those bad things I came to this country with. And in the process of being here and learning and allowing myself to change, they were all extricated from myself. Why do I like to tell that story? Because I also tell a lot of the story about all the other isms that we suffer from, the racism, these are the isms. But it's hard for many times for us to tell these stories if we are coming as the arbiters of good against all the arbiters of bad. If one can, within themselves, point out that we as human beings all have our isms, not to make the isms equal, but we do have our isms and can change from our isms, then we can actually change the world, right? Now, uh, it, it is easier said than done. And all the things that I, that I talk about on the radio, that I write about, etc. one of the things that I try to do is I try to first test it out on whom? On me. I try to make sure how would I feel if somebody tells me this? How would I feel if somebody tells me that? How would I, how would I react and what would I do about it? And understand that I had to change what, what I actually believed, not only what I actually believe, but I, how I actually partake that, I mean, partake that to others. One of the things that I learned as well is that we don't, like I said, don't speak in formulas and equations and all these other things. We actually speak in stories. And with that, there are, I think maybe how many stories, about, about five quick stories, four quick stories that I, that I like to talk about in how working in being civil actually makes change. I told you the coffee party story as far as how I got involved with the coffee party and how it really, we worked together to talk about talking to people civilly to actually effect change. In other words, uh, uh, we, we reached just about every spectrum of America for the changes that, every spectrum of America to talk about the political issues that were going on back in 2010, 2011, 12, etc. And we actually had some good successes in, in, in these groups. But I want to talk about an exact one. I live in Kingwood, Texas, the probably the reddest area in uh, the reddest area in this county. And I've written uh, five books, but three of them political. Well, three and a half of them political. And I would sit in that Starbucks and write and write and write. And there are people that would come in there and they see me there all of the time. And some folks would get the nerve up to say, what are you doing here? Don't you work? Don't you, you know, that, that, sort, of, that sort of a thing, right? But yeah, I'm working. I'm writing, right? So there's this woman. Uh, she had the great nerve that she's going to sit down and have a chat with me. 
uh, a Kingwood white woman. You know, she's going to sit down there and she's going to talk to me. And she sat down and, what do you do? And I told her about that I write books and that I'm into healthcare and all this stuff. And she said, oh, good. And then what, why did I mention healthcare? She was into healthcare and she hated Obamacare and, and all these things. And I sit down and I listen. One of the things that I like to talk about is the most important thing that people like, all of us, is not only for people to hear us, but for people to listen to us. In other words, to understand that I am not waiting to answer, I'm not waiting to come back to whatever you tell me. I am actually going to listen to you, absorb what you've said, and analyze what you've said. That's important. Why is that important? Because if I don't do that, I simply assume I'm right. But can I be wrong? Yeah, you bet your life I could. So every time, I've, and it's a learning process because we all think we know. So I try to do that. So she's talking about health care, and she hated Obamacare, but she doesn't have Obamacare. She has a great corporate insurance, and she started to talk about the things that she liked about it and what she didn't like about it, etc. So I made a scenario, and I started asking her questions. I didn't tell her anything. I asked her, wouldn't it be nice if health insurance did this? Yeah, that's what she should do. Wouldn't it be nice if health insurance did that? Yeah, that would be great. And I'm talking about things like universal health care, all, all these great things I'm asking her, right? And I'm feeling guilty now because everybody in Kingwood's conservative. Well, 70% of people in Kingwood are conservative. At my Starbucks, just about everybody's conservative. And, and you may have conservatives in here as well. I don't know. But everybody was conservative. And, you know, so I'm describing to her what I think healthcare should look like. Or rather, she's describing to me, based on my leading questions, what health insurance should look like. Great. I'm starting to feel guilty now because it's like this woman is in the palm of my hands. And I'm, it's like she doesn't know I'm probably the, the most left-wing liberal in Kingwood there is. So much so that they firebombed my house before, right? No kidding. So I, I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I just want you to know that what you just described is actually not even Obamacare, but Medicare for all. And she looked at me it's like, no, no, not really. Really? Yeah, that's what you described. And then we continued with the conversation, and I felt even more guilty. Because I know this woman thinks, you know, I'm just this black conservative in Kingwood, and that's why she felt so comfortable talking to me. So I said, ma'am, let me just tell you something. I'm likely the most liberal left-wing person you would ever know in your life. And the woman turned red, and she looked me straight in the eye, and she said, but you are so nice. <laughs> and then I said, I looked at her, and I said, I know we don't all have horns, you know. We don't have horns. But the reason I, I give this story, anybody who listens to me on the radio and hear this story all the time, the reason I give this story is not about being nice or anything like that. It's to see the perception and why we, the, the, the perception, the lack of civility that you see on Fox News, to some extent the lack of civility that you see other places, 
That's, that is the genesis of it all. The genesis of the lack of civility that you have among people is what's been portrayed on us. Because again, she is sitting down there and what she is seeing, assume she, she was okay with me all along. Even when she, I told her what she was, she was okay. But as soon as I was a liberal, a progressive, as soon as that came out, it was like, but you don't fit the profile. Right? None of us fit the profile. None of us fit any profile. The thing about it is we are all individuals in that regard. But again, the system, you know, I always talk about our economic system, and this is not any kind of one of my economic speeches or anything like that, but I just want to kind of uh, dub on it a, a, a little bit. Our economic system depends on us being at each other's throats. Our economic system depends on racism. Racism is an act, is a function, a necessary part of our economic system. Sexism is a necessary part of our economic system. Anybody wants to understand that some other time, please listen to my radio show on that one because this is too it's, it's too intense to get into that. But I want folks to understand that all of we are all puppets in this game. The lack of civility, all that sort of stuff, we are being puppeteered. When we talk about rugged individualism, we want to be rugged individual. We want to be independent of of anything. We want to even even some of us liberals will go ahead and elect some crazy neo liberal uh, folks under the pretext that we are individuals and we want more of these things. We want to have more control. We all need each other. Period. Period. Nobody, when you drive out of this, sorry, when you drive out of this place, when you drive, as soon as you leave this building, the amount of people that you are dependent on for your success, for, for getting along, very few of us are willing to accept. The amount of people that makes us what we are. I always tell the story as well, you know, um, how did I, be, I I'm, I'm a businessman, okay? I had a software company and, uh, and that, you know, mechanical engineer with a software company, doing great all of that. And I remember one night sitting down and watching all the crap that was going on back in the day, in, during the political time. And I said, somebody needs to do something about this. This was back before 2010. Somebody needs to do something about that. And I remember one night, just in the dark of my home office, saying, I'm always talking, always talking. If somebody got to do about it, bet you, better, you better throw yourself in the game because somebody got to be you too. And notice I say to you too because somebody has to be all of us, right? In some form, some fashion, some way. And at the time, business was going great. My daughter was about to leave to college, so I didn't have to hide anymore. I used to blog as a, um, you know what pseudonyms are, right? When you, I, I, I would write letters to the editor. I would write articles and that sort of stuff, with, not in my name, because my daughter went to Kingwood High School. And I didn't want her to have to suffer for what her dad did. But as soon as 2009 came and she was out of there, at that point, I started writing the articles in the newspapers and writing books in my name, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because at that point it was like, so what are they gonna do? 
you know, nothing can happen. But again, it was about having to do something to to make the change. Now, I, I, I kept that up. I, I used my little, uh, before the pandemic, that is, I used my little Starbucks hole uh, to um, to really try to do what I, what I try to tell folks we all have to do, and that is talk, earn the trust of people. I don't like to use the word educate because it sounds a little bit too presumptuous, but I like to use the word inform or, or something. Inform the people that you talk to. I'll be in a grocery store, and I hear a Kingwood grocery store, and I would hear some silly comment, and I would nicely walk up to the lady or the guy or whatever and say, actually, no, that's not what happened, or that's not how it is. And they'll turn around startled and like, uh, well, uh, who are you? Well, I'm just, I just overheard, I'm sorry, I just overheard what you're saying and make the change. And you'd, you'd, be, you'd be amazed at some of the things you hear in a grocery store, you know? I'm amazed at, you'd be amazed at who your neighbors are sometimes uh, when you listen to these things. I remember being in the, in, in the Starbucks one time, and this guy was very anti-immigrant, and very anti-immigrant, and he said to me, uh, you know those immigrants X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, well, you know, you know you're talking to an immigrant, right? And by the way, you are an immigrant too. You just came a couple of, about a, you know, a few hundred, a hundred years or so earlier, but you're an immigrant too. Uh, but, you know, we kept on talking. We, and every time he sees my license plate there, he'll come into Starbucks and he'd, he'd just want the challenge and he'd want the talk. So we'd always talk about immigration and I'll, I'll, I'll give him the example as to why we can't live without immigrants. And, um, I made this, he was going to be soon, soon to be on Social Security, I believe, and I gave him the Social Security story relative to immigrants because, you know, we're holding up the, the Social Security system. And he didn't believe me, of course, but he listened. And he went home and did his research. And he came back to Starbucks one time and he slapped me in the back and he said, you're going to like me now. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm for immigration. Okay, but I want to do it the Republican way. Okay, said, um, why don't you write me up a blog and I'll post it on my site? I will post it under a pseudonym because I know you don't want these folks in Kingwood to know you for immigration now. And then he's like, no, you can put my name on it. And the guy wrote a blog post on immigration the Republican way. But the thing about it is, it wasn't exactly what I would want, but it's a start, right? I mean, it is something like, oh, communication actually works. This is a dude who hated immigrants. This is a dude who wanted nothing to do with immigration, but we were able to show that, and, and this, is a, this is a selfish part about us a lot of times, right? We're able to show that, no, immigrants are good for you. Now, his empathetic part didn't kick in for immigration. His pocketbook kicked in for immigration. You know, and and so when I talk about talking and earning people's trust, you earn. We are we are one one country, and none of us are leaving the country. None of us are leaving the country. So whatever we have to do to, to get to effect change is something that we need to do. The last story, Daniel Boone. Everybody, remember Daniel Boone was a man. Remember that those days? Well, I the Tea Party is very. There's a Daniel Boone family, father, grandfather, great grandfather in 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 this stuff. So I used to do this uh, these pieces for CNN I reports. So I would be on CNN about two or three times a week doing these things called I reports, and they'll play my. Stuff on air all the time. So this group 
in Katie, uh, you know, they saw something that I did. I don't remember on what subject. And they contacted, they got to CNN, they contacted me to go to on, on, on to meet with them, right? So it was a family, Daniel Boone, his, fa his family, and they came out there and we wanted, it was during the Obama days, and they wanted to talk about healthcare, whatever. They, this Tea Party group, I had never been treated as well as these guys. They wanted to show me that everything that we spoke about them, that they were not racist, that they were good people, and they were they just wanted to lift themselves up by the bootstrap. The son didn't have health insurance, the father didn't have health insurance, the great the grandfather didn't have health insurance, and we sat down and we talked and I let them tell me their stories and I asked them, Do you have health insurance? No. So what is it that Obama is doing that you don't want again? And we we went through the whole story. By the end of the discussion, they like, you know, maybe we need to rethink what we're thinking about health insurance. And then I noticed something with that talk that I got at Tea Party and also the media. If anybody remember what the media concentrated on during that time, it was... Um, the mother, the, the grandmother being thrown off the, the hill, death panels, and all these other issues. Nobody really tried to sit down from a standpoint of how it would affect individual families to have the health care in the manner that Obama was doing, a manner that I didn't disagree, that I agree with. I wanted something different, but it's all we had at the point, at the time. Nobody, but when these people, when you sat down and you first listened, earned their trust, speak to them with respect, not speak to them with what you perceive they are, but speak with them with a certain level of respect, suddenly their minds were open to listen. So grandfather, son, and wait, great grandfather, grandfather, father, and son was four, four, four of them. They were willing. Uh, they were then willing to, you know, take it under advisement. And that is all that we can ask for communication. And the only way we can communicate is to be civil with each other and and try to. I don't care what anybody here believes. I don't care if you are a racist, a sexist, or anything. It won't stop me from talking to you. I don't care who you are. If I feel that I can make a difference, not just for you or for me, but society at large, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I think more, everybody won't do that, but enough of us can do that to make a difference in our society. If enough of us start to think a little bit less about self and a little bit more about what can we do in the aggregate, I'm pretty sure we can make a change. And I think I came under my 20 minutes. Thank you very much. All right, folks, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thank you, Bridge, for the kudos. Hey, by the way, Bridge, I like how you did the ladies at the grocery store where you tell them, I woke up this morning, so I'm aware. Uh, I love that. I love that. Uh, E2247, thank you for the kudos as well. Uh, he says, Egberto rightly began the address by citing the U.S. as an idea. We, oh, we can, If we want to be taken seriously, we have to quote the United States as an idea. Because as uh, implemented, uh, we have a lot to go. There's a lot that happened that was very evil in our, uh, during our inception. And there's a lot that continues to happen. Uh, when you accept America as an idea, 
ideals, then one can say we have something to work towards. Because when I'm sitting back in Panama or other people are around the world, America is the best salesperson of America. America sells America like it is this wonderful place where anything can, you can be whatever you want to be. It doesn't go into the, the idiosyncrasies, right? So I like whenever I'm selling America, I am selling it as an idea. And that is, it is something that we can come here and make a change with respect to Ledo and others that says, yeah, I've heard this story a hundred times. I have audiences all over, right? In other words, that UU audience never heard the story. And it's a, I think it's an important story. Those stories that I told my regulars from the PDR Posse, I ask you to continue to and, and, you know, uh, endure the things that you already heard. But do remember that every day we have a new set of people coming in and every day uh, these podcasts go out, there's a new new group that sees a podcast. So what is repetitious to my regulars are not repetitious to those new people. But one of the things that I try to do is interspace the repetition with some new stuff, as you have heard in that speech. There's quite a few new things as well. Uh, Eric Hayes says, will Egberto bring up his morning person uh, named Brian, the person that uh, one of my favorite uh, MAGA folks that called into the show in the morning? I love the guy. The guy gives me a chance to explain a whole lot of things, and I do that very well. And the emails that I get point makes it clear that we're doing a good job in what we're doing out there. So thank you for bringing him up, uh, El Senor Eric Hayes. Uh, don't forget this weekend, we are going to have Ask Egberto Anything at 11 Central Time. Go to politicsandright.com slash ask Egberto, politicsandright.com slash ask Egberto and sign up. Of course, it's free. Uh, go ahead and sign up for Ask Egberto Anything. I'm about to put that link on the screen right now. I would love to see as many people as possible there. I just go there, sign up, and um, you know it'll send you the Zoom link for our uh, every every time we do that. Michael Rodney says, "Bridge, I was expecting one of these responses: border security, legal immigration, and deportations." Oh, Rodney, too long for me to read that one right this minute. But um, anyhow, don't forget, folks. Please go ahead and sign up for the thing. Daniel says, "I find it interesting that he has no new stories. He used the same stories from years ago. Why? Because it is rare he gets someone to agree with this Marxist ideology. Not really. I have a lot of stories. I print them all the time. It's just that those are the ones that are in my book. Okay, uh, uh, okay, Ledo. You go to my blogs, my daily blogs. I had three new stories um, from right-wingers blogged and, and videoed on my blog today. Go to EgbertoWillis.com. You can see it there. Egberto, not a problem. It was for Bridge and the conservatives in the chat, not necessarily to read out. Thank you, my brother, Rednin. So yeah, Mr. Ledo, no, I have a lot of news stories and the stories are constant. And I blog about the stories and I play the stories on in video. In fact, I played yesterday uh, two of them as well. So no, it's, it's constantly coming. Egberto, mind reading this one out? What is the Republican way to immigration? Uh... The Republican way to immigration is to charge money. It's to charge money and make sure that, the you know, as you come in, you, you pay your way somehow, right? As if the immigrants don't pay their way. Uh, but did you have something else you wanted to me to say about Republican immigration? I'll be happy to say so, but I'll, I'll see if I can find the blog. Eric, because they have no evidence, I think you're talking about what they want you to talk about, which is Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. We don't need to do that. I won't touch Hunter Biden. I won't touch the two Trump kids uh, and the billions that they got. And the reason why, I don't have evidence, nor does it make your life materially better. 
I hope that the things that we talk about here will, in fact, make your lives materially better. Uh, let's see what else I missed from anybody. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. Um, uh, let's see. U.S. has always been an idea that came from El Señor uh, E2247. Breed says, my response, be Trump and marry an immigrant. Ha, ha, ha. That is funny. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Michael says, no, I was hoping to hear from the conservatives as an answer to the question. Oh, guys, answer the question. What would be Republican uh, what would be Republican immigration? That's a question coming from Michael Rudnin. Uh, Bridge MCP, my response, be Trump and Marion. I think I read that one. Uh, and then mention slash repeat what I already wrote in the long skipped comment. Thank you, brother. Anyhow, folks, um, we are coming close to the end of the program. Well, we have about eight more minutes. Um, give me some comments. What else do you want me to talk about? Uh, did, you, did you enjoy the two videos today? Is there anything else that we want to talk about before we close this baby down? It's all yours. You, it, it is your program, as we've always said. Eric says, replying to Bridge MCP, Bridge MCP, total BS, but I guess if you smash servers and whitewash phones, guess what is okay? Actually, I find it interesting what you say, but let's go ahead and bring in uh, a, one of our callers here. Come on in, caller. How are you doing today? Hello. Mi hermano. Hey, hermano hey, mio, como estas? How you doing, Ray? Oh, man. I've been trying. I'm not I'm not going to lie. It's been a rough day for me waking up, but uh, I figured I'd listen to your morning show, so I had uh, I had some feedback I wanted to share. Please let me hear it. Yeah, so um, I, I'm actually, I was just going to, first of all, say uh, finally they indicted Trump for trying to steal the election that was the indictment that really needed to happen agree now on top of that um you had a caller named joe yes and i remember you begged and pleaded and i'm glad joe called yes because you wanted to know who are these people that exactly. support donald trump right and joe to his chagrin you know even you were surprised, you know, even though I don't agree at all with his answer, it was logical. Right. That's I what will I told say him, in yeah. my own opinion. Yes. In my own opinion, I'm just going to say your opinion is very stupid and counterproductive to what this country was built on. Mm -hmm. But OK, that's what you believe in. You basically want to vote for somebody who's going to make everybody upset. So that we can get something done. I will say I will I will say I agree with Joe on one thing. When Donald Trump was in office, it did fire up progressives. It did yes. make us get on top of things. I will I will agree to one thing. When there is a Democrat in office, it seems like people get complacent and they yes. don't feel like they have a part in what they're supposed to be doing as right. far as civic duty. But when a Republican gets in and you know that's when they feel like their lives are turned upside down. Now exactly. we need to do something about it. And they're more willing to listen. But exactly. I feel like we shouldn't have to have a madman, you know, who is the second coming of the apocalypse in office for people who re to realize that, hey, yeah, I think I am a progressive. No, you shouldn't have known that whether a progressive in is, is in office, which I don't know when we're going to get one of those. <laughs> you should know. Yeah. 
that you're a progressive when a right wing zealot is in office. You should know you're a progressive no matter who is in office. Exactly. But that's the thing. Joe was right about that one thing. When somebody like Trump, who has no idea what he what the heck he's doing, is there, it does make it easier to mobilize people because they see what happens when you don't have a functioning government. I agree with you 100%. And I, I agree with you 100%. Let me tell you why I really am going to go have some coffee with Joe as well. Because Joe is a logical thinker who has been, who has, notice what I said to him, his base was wrong. And if you start your base, if you're building from a base of misinformation, right? And you construct your story based on that base of misinformation, I can see how we got there. And if you notice, I also put some blame on our neoliberal Democrats. And the reason why is I said, how do you seed rural areas to uh, to these people, right? How do you seed it? Because the, the rural folks need us more than anything else. I, I gave another talk. I don't remember where it was that I gave the talk. And I said to them, I said, you know, uh, I hate that what we continuously do over and over and over again is not whenever a hospital is closed in rural areas, whenever different things happen in these different areas, that we don't go out there with a with a whole bunch of citizens, with a whole bunch of Democrats, and say, courtesy of your Republican uh, representatives' policies. You know, there are things that we can actually do because, again, when people are polled, they want the things that we are offering. The problem is the narrative that Joe was built on, right? Uh, create allowed him to right. create a completely different story, a plausible story, but completely nonsensical, as you mentioned earlier. Ray. Yeah, it's like, why do you why do you want to support somebody just because they're opposite of what the right? It's like, a, you know, like, what's the saying? If you knew better, you do better. And he right. knows better, but he chooses to do the absolute opposite. And the sad thing is, He's probably one of the few people that's willing to admit it, but there's what we say is 43% of people out there who right. agree with him. And yeah. you know what? Y'all need to come out and start showing y'all stupidity so we can start talking to y'all more often and saying, well, why does that make sense to you? Because I'm going to keep asking over and over and over right. again, like, how does that make sense? Things right, were right. so difficult when he was in office, and I just don't understand why would anybody... Well, want to go you know, back to that. Let me tell you, Ray, what is very powerful, right, is that the, the art and this you can find in the Powell memo and you can find in other literature that the right wing uses. Right. The power of repetition. You see elitists uh, or in general, let's say progressives and Democrats, they would tell you a story or they'll tell you something and it'll end there. I turned I watched Fox News last night. I wanted to see how they were going to interpret Donald Trump's indictment. They talked about Donald Trump's indictment for a very short period of time. And then everything that they talk about was Hunter Biden and, and the, tr the telephone calls that Hunter Biden made to his father while he was talking to uh, these different uh, oligarchs, etc. And, and, and they kept it. It was repeated over and over again. And they spent the entire hour talking about these issues. And what happens then is I sit down and I listen uh, when I hear that. And then it comes into our space. A lot of the, our good right wingers that visit us every day, they are picking up on that same notion that you have out there with repetition, 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 repetition. 
we think we are too, uh, we find ourselves too honorable to do that. But it is something that we have to grow out of. We have to go where the people are. And I think that is in rural areas, we have to go where they are. In the barrios, the ghettos, and Apalache, we got to go where they are. In the suburbs, the exurbs, we got to go where they are. And when we get there, and when we really invest in doing that, not in the high-priced ivory tower elitists in Washington, D.C., but in guys like Ray. Ray, I'm pretty sure if you got a stipend, uh, you would you would spend some time going into different parts of town and, 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 and giving the message, uh, enlightening folks. Give give these yeah. things to the grassroots, and that's where I'm coming from. But we're right. getting out of time. I'm right at four o'clock, um, Ray. So give me a quick closer. Yeah, quick closer is uh, you said something else that uh, Ronald Reagan was probably a good actor, but yes. Back to the Future had a line that said it best when Doc said Ronald Reagan, the actor, he's president, and now here's where we are in in the country. Thank there you. you go. Thank you. Ray, thank you so kindly for calling in. We couldn't have this show without you. All right, folks, without all of our PDR Posse members. Thank you, guys. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you guys for being here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.